We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Sophia. Welcome to Work in Progress. Today I'm welcoming an incredible guest that I'm so excited to have on the podcast, Janu Roberts. She is a Los Angeles and Austin, Texas-based sustainability blogger, influencer, and entrepreneur. Her YouTube channel is called Intentional and Low Impact Living, something we all obviously need to learn more about. She is all about low-waste life, and she's here today to provide some tips and teach us the tricks on how to begin a low-waste lifestyle and live more sustainably. Hi, how are you? I'm really well. How are you doing? Great, great. Bless. Very blessed. <laughs> That's exactly how you want it to feel every day, I suppose. Um, so I know you are in Texas right now, but you previously have been based in LA. Did you grow up here? Did you grow up there? Tell me, tell me about childhood. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I am born and raised in Chicago. And no I grew, way. yeah, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and I uh, moved out to Los Angeles for college. I went to Claremont McKenna, which is like 45 miles uh, east of LA, and uh, mm-hmm. then I stayed in LA. Tried to do the whole acting thing, <laughs> and as you know, it is it is not easy to do at all. Yeah. So I was just like in this place where I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I want to build a brand. I want to, you know, make an impact. And I, um, you know, got into sustainability, which we'll dive into and have been kind of building my personal brand ever since I went full time in October, actually. So it's been, it's been a crazy ride. Congratulations. That is so Thank you. And now I'm in Austin. I was like, I don't know. Everything was kind of shut down in LA and I was like, what, 
I need more space. Like, I just need more space to create. And I was looking at the rent prices in LA and I was like, man, like if I'm just stuck at home, I might as well live somewhere else where it's like a bigger place, cheaper rent, you know, it's still warm weather. So I was like, let me yeah. just try out Austin for a little bit. There's a lot of, you know, young people. There's all these like co- like tech companies booming here. So it's like definitely booming. Yeah. So I was like, let me just try out something different in my adult life. That's awesome. And if not now, then when, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I'm curious how this whole journey began for you, because obviously you're not risk averse. You picked up and moved in the middle of a pandemic. You are an entrepreneur. You're, you're running this business that you started full time now. Um, were you like this as a kid? Like, who was Janu as a little girl? <laughs> were, were you kind of already very extroverted and, and figuring out how to solve problems as a little girl? You know, it's, it's so funny because I just had a call with someone today and we were talking about it. But I was very quiet into myself. I was very observant, very good listener. Mm. I grew up on the south side of Chicago, but I always got scholarships to go to private school. So I always saw like both sides of the spectrum And I knew that I wanted to be on the other side. (laughs) So I was like, what do I need to do to, you know, be successful and become, you know, this woman that I want to be? So I always worked really hard in school, always got scholarships. And through that, I just was super, super motivated and like driven. When I was in fifth grade, I have this, this mantra that I've had since the fifth grade, and it's to do everything in the spirit of excellence. And basically when you, you know, are, when you live your life that way to like always go above and beyond, like things just fall into place, right? Like if you're, you know, in school and you're going above and beyond in class, like you're going to do well. Like if you are, you know, doing what I'm doing and you're going above and beyond when you're creating content, people notice and, you know, you get to do great podcast interviews like this one. (laughs) So I think I've always kind of had this, uh, ambition and this drive to just like be the best person I can possibly be. And I think it's not only just because I want to be successful and have, you know, nice things, but it's also, I just really want to make an impact on the world. And like, I just, I I wasn't really into sustainable living at all. I just knew that I wanted to make a difference in the world. I knew that I wanted to leave a, I knew that I wanted to leave a legacy and I wanted to look back on my life when I'm 80 years old and be like, I'm proud of everything that I accomplished. Um, And I think another thing for me is just like, I want to inspire people to like do better and just to have, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just like confidence. Like, I think a lot of like people that I, you know, grew up with or people that are family members, they're just in a mindset of like, well, this is just how it is. And like, that was never how I saw it. I'm like, if I want to be successful, like I can have it. Like, there's no reason that I can't do it. Yes, I might have to work harder Mm -hmm. than everyone else. But like, why can't I do it? Why can't it be me? So I think just always having that mentality at a young age has like gotten me to where I am today. Mm, I love that. And I think it's something, tell me if you agree. I feel like lately there's that kind of energy really buzzing in society. So many people, especially I think with what has been happening politically in the last couple of years, the number of people who really showed up to participate in the election, it feels like everyone has really taken in that famous quote, you know, if not, if not now, then when, and if not me, then who, if not us, then who, like, who's going to change the world if we don't do it. And even if we change it incrementally, if each of us can aid in creating an incremental change, the change can be enormous. Exactly. No, I, I truly think that like one person can make a huge impact. 
And even like if at the end of the day I had make an impact in, you know, someone in one person's life, like it's still worth it. Like I love just, especially in the business that I am, that I'm in and like talking to other women in the space. And I'm like, charge more girl, like challenge yourself. Like you deserve it. You're about like, you're worth it. Like it's just, it's a lot of um, just like building self-confidence. And I just want, you know, people that I come in contact with to just like be, you know, unapologetically themselves and to, um, you know, mm. just like have confidence and to know their worth and their value. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? I, I wonder both in terms of the confidence and also, you know, looking at your space and how like pristine it is. I'm like, okay, you were either a super organized kid and have stayed organized or you were super cluttered and then it inspired you to get organized. You know, you said you were quiet and now you're very outspoken. So, so how did that happen? Like, yeah, how did it happen? <laughs> so I think, so for me, I wouldn't necessarily have called myself a minimalist uh, you know, up until maybe, you know, three years ago, like growing up when you don't have a lot, you hold on to things like you're, you're like, I can't throw or donate the shirt because what if I can't afford another shirt when I need one? Like if they're, you're living in this scarcity mindset. And so I started just doing a lot of internal work as I, as I was an adult, you know, graduating from college and just doing internal work. And I started learning more and more about minimalism and this idea of living with less mm-hmm. and being intentional about the things you're bringing to your home. And so I started donating a bunch of things that like no longer served me and no longer served a purpose in my life or were just there because I was scared that, well, what if I need this thing? But it's so freeing to let go of these things that you don't need and you truly do value the things that you that you have and you're more intentional about what you're actually bringing to your home. And so it's definitely a big mindset thing and, you know, letting go of that fear of not having enough. And so as I got on my, you know, minimalist journey, that's what actually led me to low waste living. Like the the principles are pretty much the same. It's about bringing things into your home that are intentional. Everything serves a purpose. You're being mindful. And, you know, if I'm being intentional about the way I live my life, why would I want to, you know, throw trash in a landfill, right? Like (laughs) it all goes hand in hand. And I'm all about how can I be the best human I can possibly be? And now that I know that, you know, barely any of the stuff that I throw in the recycling bin gets recycled, like, well, what can I do to, you know, reduce the amount of stuff that I'm throwing in the recycling bin in the first place? Like, how can I go about my life in a better way that's just like better for me and better for the planet and better for, you know, everyone around me? Mm. So when you think about that, because I I think about what we throw away almost as personal pollution. And then obviously we're having these large nationwide conversations right now about environmental pollution and greenhouse gases. You know, how how do you figure out ways that you can make an impact on, on in the personal pollution space? And also, how do you feel like you can help affect change on the bigger side of the crisis? For sure. I think on the personal side, I mean, even just with my social media, like I love being, you know, a black woman in the space who's talking about these issues. I think that in and of itself just like opens up the conversation to a more diverse audience. I think when Mm -hmm. I, I remember vividly when I was younger, I was like walking downtown Chicago and you know how there's like the green peace people with their little vests and they're like, do you want to save the polar bear sort of thing? And I think the disconnect is like, one, it was a white man. So it just like didn't resonate with me. But two, it's like, well, how can we talk about the polar bears if people down the street from me don't even have access to fresh food? So there's this huge disconnect. (laughs) So that's why I was like, environmental issues, like, 
we can't expect certain people to, you know, be thinking about being environmentally conscious all the time if they can't even, if they don't even know when they're going to have their next meal. Like there's just a huge disconnect Mm -hmm. there. So I think just on my platform, I'm just making sure that like I'm telling those stories of people that may not have access. And I'm like being intentional about when I'm telling people like to, you know, do certain sustainable things. It's like some people can't afford the $20 stasher bag. It's expensive. I get it. (laughs) Um, So I think a lot of just like on the personal side, it's just encouraging people to like take these small steps uh, on a daily basis, because not only does it uh, you know, impact the world around you, but it also just like saves you money. Like what, what does it do for you? Like, I think the way that I try to get people that don't, you know, care about the, the, the planet to care is to bring it down and to say, how does this impact me? Like saying that, you mm-hmm. know, the, there's all this plastic or trash and all these things like that. It's, it's a crazy, these are crazy facts, but I think it's, there's such a disconnect because it's not like we live in a third world country where we walk outside and there's trash all over the place. Like if that were the case, then people would care. But because we don't see our trash when it goes away, we just, we just don't care. So I try to talk to people about, well, if you eat fish, you're most likely eating plastic because there's plastic in that fish probably if it came from the ocean. So I think it's bringing it down mm-hmm. to how does it affect you? Because, you know, people are selfish, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta bring it down. to how does it actually affect you? And then on the larger scale, it's interesting as a content creator working with brands, I don't believe that the brand has to be perfect in order to work with them. But I try to work with bigger brands who are trying to take steps towards being better and like working with them behind the Mm -hmm. scenes as well. So not only am I, you know, a content creator like in front of the camera, but I also am doing work with brands behind the scenes to talk about, well, how Mm -hmm. can we stop sending influencers all this plastic? Like, what can we actually do? It's it's just Chris, Chris. I'm sure you get gifts all the time. The packaging, I can't. <laughs> it's 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 gotten way out of control. Or brands will, you know, say, mm-hmm. "Can we send you our skincare set?" And I'm like, "I have like enough as it is. I no, thank you. Like, it's just going to contribute yeah. to more waste." So I think right now I try to focus on just the brand side and the brands that are producing these products that we, you know, go into Target and buy and how they can make it more sustainable and also just how to make even their marketing more um, diverse and accessible. Because if, you know, you have a page of sustainable products that let's say it's a makeup brand and the skincare and the skin range is, you know, lighter than me, why would I want to buy that? I can't buy that product. So I think it's making sure that Mm -hmm. these companies are making products that can be uh, used for everyone and that are inclusive as well. So a lot of the behind the scenes work, I know there's the political side and I wouldn't say that I'm like an expert in that at all. I just think that there are so many different areas that you can choose. And the path that I've sort of chosen Mm -hmm. is more so working with companies and brands behind the scenes. That's very cool. I mean, it's so important for people who know what they're talking about to be the consultants behind the scenes. And to your point, we're talking about the democratization of these spaces. These big brands need to be listening to Black women about what they need. You know, the 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 idea that for the longest time it's been white men who've been running everything that's one specific perspective. And by not diversifying both in terms of gender and race in those rooms where decisions are being made, they're actually missing out on the opportunity for bigger ideas. Exactly. And, and my, 
you know, I, I read this unbelievable tweet the other day and a, a woman said the point of diversity training is to make people fall more in love with the world at, at large. And I was like, oh, she was like, it's a big goal, but that's the goal that we should be pursuing. And and I think about the fact that, you know, when when we're talking about environmental justice, you know, exactly what you were speaking about growing up on the south side of Chicago, there's not a lot of people who tie the notion of food apartheid to the environmental crisis, but they are horrible bedfellows. And so if someone is doing the kind of great work that you're doing, which is making those connections, the personal, how the personal is, you know, being mirrored on this larger scale by the global, you know, the fact that if you eat fish, you're eating plastic and what's happening to to the larger wild environment is also killing the polar bears and killing all the fish that we eat. It's incredibly illuminating for people. And, and I think that people who are affected by those crises, communities that are affected by those crises, need seats at the table because people who aren't seeing it so then they feel like they can kind of ignore it is how we got here to be in a crisis in the first place. Exactly, exactly. I mean, even think about because, you know, I live in Austin and we had this huge storm and, you know, Ted Cruz just went went to Mexico <laughs> and it's like... To the Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> oh. I was like... Must be. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I'm like in a position where like if I needed to, you know, move somewhere, I could afford to do that. But I know that not everyone can do that. Like there were literally people who didn't have food. Mm -hmm. They it was, you know, 10 degrees outside in their homes and they're freezing. Like it's there are people that actually like died in their cars because they were in their cars trying to get Mm -hmm. heat and they ended up dying from that. So it's just crazy, um, you know, how all these like things that we we do, you know, affect the climate and climate change. And it's it's just very mm-hmm. vivid how like, you know, as things continue to get worse, the divide between the rich and the poor just are going to get even greater because it's like, they're just going to go to Mexico, you know? So, but it's like, what about the people that can't go to Mexico? Mm, I know I was watching all that unfold and I was like, oh, so Ted Cruz, you're willing to go across a border to give your kids a nicer life even for a weekend. So interesting. So interesting that you think that that's totally fine, yet you demonize people for doing the same. And again, seeking asylum is not illegal. Never has been. But, you know, facts. Who needs them? Not Ted. Oh, my God. I I wonder, are there things like that? You know, and and maybe they were earlier on, but things that, because, you know, that just makes my blood boil. And I think we can show up in these spaces and be activists because we see an injustice and we want to respond to it. What were the things that became the signals for you, whether it was an experience, a trial, a tribulation that made you say, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to start a website. I'm going to start talking about all of this knowledge that I am accruing and and try to teach people. What, what, What did that? Yeah, I mean, yes, I was trying to start my own personal brand, but sustainability just kind of like, it just happened at the right time. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think for me, I just started educating myself. I started learning how, for example, like uh, in Louisiana, there's this like long stretch of just like all these factories that are producing, you know, toxic chemicals. And a majority of the families that live there are people of color and the cancer rates are like 50 times higher. Don't quote me on the the, the stats, but something like 50 times higher than the national average of like cancer rates. And like these companies are getting away with it because you can't technically prove that 
the chemicals they're emitting is like causing cancer. But you and I both know that like, you know, those toxic chemicals That's are causing- That's absolutely what's happening. <laughs> they're causing people cancer. Yeah. And I think- I'm like, did nobody see Aaron Brockovich? Hello? <laughs> so I think I just started learning more and more and realizing mm-hmm. that people just don't know. I don't think it's like, I think people do care, but I think a lot of times people just don't know. Like still in the US, there are people that don't have access to clean water. People don't know that. Right. So I think it was, I wanted to educate people was one, but I also wanted to find a way to make, you know, people that look like me want to be a part of this movement to make a better planet. Because the issue that I, I find is if you don't have someone that looks like you talking about certain issues, it's hard to kind of resonate, right? Like I, you know, from the South side of Chicago, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. I've hustled my way all the way here. But, and it's easier to listen to me when you're someone that also comes from a similar background versus you're someone that came from money and like, you're just, you know, living this sustainable life, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's hard to connect with someone like that. And so for me, I just want to connect with people that want to just be better people in general. And they just learn a lot of tips from me that not only save them money, but are just like good for the planet as well. But I just want... uh, one of my kind of goals in life is just, I want to help people be better. And so like when you help people yeah. be better, they in turn want to just do better in the world. So you mm-hmm. want to, I don't know. I was like, when I was like 10 years old, I was like, okay, I want to do all these things in my life. Like I want to make a difference, like just trying to <laughs> figure out what that looks like. But I just want people to live like happy and healthy lives. And when that happens, like everything else falls into place. Like if you take care of yourself, you can take care of the planet. I can't take care of my, like if I can't take care of myself, how can I be worried about, you know, plastic in the ocean? It just doesn't work that way. So Mm -hmm. it's just important Mm -hmm. to sustain yourself first, which is what I started to talk about more on my channel. Sustain yourself first and then you can help sustain the planet. Yeah, put on your oxygen mask before helping the person next to you. Exactly. So you came to LA initially on, you know, the journey to potentially becoming an actor. And like you said, everything combined at just the right time. And you became a content creator advocating for the environment and low waste and intentional living. So in all the years that you've been on this journey and doing this, what are some of the best tips that you've amassed? And and maybe tell us about a couple of ways to reduce waste around the home. I think the number one tip is to stop buying stuff you don't need. <laughs> like number one, <laughs> number one tip. Stop buying stuff you don't need. And because I yeah. think that's where the issue, you know, that's where it starts. When you go into Sephora, for example, and they're like, do you want these little samples? And it's like, okay, I'll take them. But it's like, no. <laughs> they're going to like 99% of the time they're plastic, right? And then you come home and you, maybe you don't even like, they're in your drawer somewhere. They're just clutter, mm-hmm. like clutter and just waste kind of go hand in hand. So mm-hmm. I think when you when you adapt a minimalist mindset and you're intentional about the things you're bringing into your home in the first place, that is the complete game changer. Like now when I'm mm-hmm. going and I'm shopping and I'm buying items, I'm like, does this item actually serve a purpose? Do I actually need it? And so when you kind of mm-hmm. do that little checklist in your head, every time you purchase something, you're more likely to, or you're less likely to bring in things that are going to end up as waste because these are intentional items that you're bringing to your home. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of getting started, it can be really kind of confusing. <laughs> like there's so many different levels of waste and it can be really overwhelming. But the number one thing you can do is do a trash audit because like you can't fix the problem until you know what the problem is. So I would look through your trash. What are you throwing away? 
Are you throwing out Ziploc bags? Okay, you can switch that to reusable silicone bags. Are you throwing out uh, makeup wipes? You can switch that to reusable cotton rounds. Are you throwing out um, plastic wrap? You can now use beeswax wrap, which is reusable, and then you can compost it at the end mm-hmm. of life. So I think it's going through all those single-use items, use those items first, and then finding reusable alternatives is like the best uh, best tip I can ever give someone. I love that. I actually just got some beeswax wraps and I'm really excited to get to know how they work because I'm also raising bees now. It was like a lifelong goal for me. And I think I honestly talked about it so much that the universe was like, oh, really? You want bees? And a wild hive came and installed itself in my backyard in the wood pile for the project I was building back there. And I was like, oh, oh God, now I have bees and I have to do something with them. So I had this great guy come over here um, who runs an organization in LA called Honey Love. I don't know if you've ever come across them in your work. But they, uh, they're a nonprofit and they rescue bees. And so he put all of my wild bees into a hive box and now they're thriving, if I do say so myself. I'm very, very pleased. No, I mean, bee, like that's another thing we don't talk about, the importance of bees. Like if we don't have bees, yes. we don't have anything. Like Anything. Anything. <laughs> I know. And I was like, These, this is my field of dreams. I, I, if you build it, they will come. I was like, I said it enough times and they came. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. No. Very, very cool. There are people that do their or make their own beeswax wrap. It's pretty simple. I think you just take beeswax wrap and then you take fabric and you melt it on there and it works. <laughs> it's so cool. I like getting into conversations about the things that we might not be consciously thinking about every day. Like the fact that if we don't have bees, we don't have anything to eat. The fact that we use so much water for our everyday life, if you make tea, if you drink coffee, if you make pasta. I'm wondering what are some things that stand out to you as stuff we use all the time that that the average consumer may not consider consciously anyway, and and that you think we should be more conscientious about moving forward. Absolutely. I think uh, for one, I would say food waste. Like there's a lot of different foods that you can regrow at home. I love regrowing Mm -hmm. green onions. I love my little miso soup. So I'll just take it from uh, my garden or I'll have it already just like in water in a mason jar and I'll just chop it up and then I'll just like put it back in the water and I'll change out the water every two days. So I think there's so many food scraps that end up as waste and end up in landfill that you can actually Mm -hmm. just regrow at home because I think... A lot of people are under the impression that, oh, if I throw food away in the trash, it just like disintegrates, which would make sense, right? But turns out like Mm -hmm. when you send it to a landfill, it's piled on so much trash that like it actually doesn't disintegrate because it requires oxygen to do that. And so when it's piled on top of things, it's just literally sitting there. So there'd be a banana peel that's like five years old, just still sitting in the landfill because it requires the oxygen to decompose. So I think just being more mindful about food scraps So maybe you have some leftover onions and some leftover vegetables, and you can actually make a veggie broth out of that. And if you can make a veggie broth, it's just like you can also take food scraps and make, you know, veggie chips out of it. There's just like different ways that you can uh, use an item more than once. I think that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it's just important to just be mindful of that, like be mindful that of what you're throwing away in the trash and like take kind of a mental note. And then Mm -hmm. 
when you have food scraps, instead of just throwing them in the trash, which are going to end up in landfill, you can actually take the food scraps, put them in your freezer. So I put them in a brown paper bag and then I will take them to a farmer's market. You can look up your local farmer's market. Nine times out of 10, they'll have actually a station where you can donate your compost and it'll be to a farm and they'll take it back and use the compost, which I think is amazing because it's all about like, how can we have this like circular economy? Like things shouldn't just go into the trash. Like we should be able to like keep using these products over and over and over in mm -hmm. different ways. So then that's going to compost and that compost is gonna help grow new food. And it's just this circular, <laughs> circular sort of thing which is how it should be. Yeah. And, you know, I also have a friend that has a house who has a little compost <laughs> compost pile in his backyard, so I'll take it there and just kind of dump it there. And if you want to do compost at home, there's a few options. There's this Vitamix food cycler what I what, that I just, like, discovered. So basically, you just kind of throw in your food scraps. It blends it up and then makes it into soil. And you can actually just, like, throw that in your wow. in your garden. Because <laughs> there's a the longer way wow. of doing it is, like, getting one of those, like, tumblers that you kind of roll. And that just kind of, like, yeah. takes forever for that to kind of, you know, become, like, soil for plants but if you kind of get a food cycler and it kind of grinds it up and makes it soil for you which i think is really really cool that's amazing and i've seen uh online in some of my research you know i don't know what the company is but someone's making a compost bin for inside for apartments and whatnot that looks like a trash can oh yeah I but it actually on the inside has the whole compost system yeah it's so cool so i i, I think that there's so many options and alternatives and, and actually even in in terms of what you were saying about the farmer's market, if you don't live near one, uh, you can go online to makesoil.org and you can look up who in your neighborhood or area is a soil maker. That's what they call it on their website. And people literally sign up and say, I'm building a compost bin in my backyard and neighbors can bring scraps during these hours and you know whatever the details are. And I just think it's such a cool way to get to know your neighborhood and also to change your relationship, like you said, to to waste and to the food that you eat as well. No, exactly. It's just all about being intentional about what you're bringing to your home. And then when it comes to water usage, like, for example, if I'm boiling pasta, that water can then be used to water my plants. Mm -hmm. So it's like because we, we waste mm -hmm. water so easily because we know it's just coming yeah. out of the faucet. Right. But. If you think about how much water we use on a daily basis, it's pretty crazy. And so it's just like finding ways to take that water and, uh, you know, keep using it. So I know there's a lot of people that might put their plants in the shower. So their their plants get a little get a little yeah. watering while they're getting the shower. <laughs> Looking at these little things like water and food that we just mm -hmm. kind of waste like that and just being more intentional about uh, the amount we're using and like where it's going. Obviously, your work intersects so directly with your day-to-day -day life. This is a way of life. This is what you do, you know, as a career for a living. Do you find that it's easier than you thought it would be at the beginning of this journey to live low waste in the way that you do now? It, yeah, no, for sure. It, originally when I started, I was like, this is going to be impossible. <laughs> but I think you have to realize that it's okay to not be perfect. That's why I try to stay away from saying zero waste because being zero waste is impossible. Unless yeah. you live on a farm, you grow your own food, like it's <laughs> impossible to be zero waste. So I say low waste because I think it's more inviting and it seems more attainable. And I think when mm -hmm. you tell yourself that like you don't have to be perfect, 
Like, it's okay. Like, we don't live in a system, in a society where you can be perfectly zero waste or low waste. It just depends on where you live. Like, there's so many factors that go into it. Like, I know LA, there's like six zero waste stores, right? But Texas, there's, there. I don't know any zero waste stores. So I have to figure out, okay, I need to go to a farmer's market or then you do, there's so many different elements that go into it. It has to do with like, you know, where you mm -hmm. live. But I think I'm just, again, like intentional about what I'm purchasing. So like, let's say you don't have access to a bookstore. What I would recommend is buying a uh, package, let's say almonds. Instead of buying like small individual packages of almonds that come in plastic, buy one big one that comes in plastic, whether this is laundry detergent, whatever the case may be, because the larger the plastic is, the more likely it's gonna get recycled. And it's just easier to recycle something that's a lot bigger. So I would definitely recommend if you don't have access to things that are um, completely package free, just buying the biggest thing you can. Because if you think about it, the amount of like tiny little almond bags that would fit in a big almond bag is way more plastic. So mm -hmm. if you can find a way just to reduce the plastic, you may not be able to eliminate it because you know, just the way the world works, but you can reduce yeah. it. So I think it's all about just finding ways to reduce because you can't be perfect. It's impossible. So it's just finding what you mm -hmm. actually have control over. Cause even just in every area of my life, I'm like, what do I actually have control over? Like, let me not stress about things mm -hmm. I can't control. Yeah, I think that that's so cool. And 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 it's really nice to want to take this seriously, but also take a little bit of the pressure off. It's one of the things that I really love about your platform is that you're so encouraging. You encourage people to try, you try to inspire people, you make this uplifting rather than a chore. And and you're also helping to encourage women to build their own personal brands. You know, you're talking about career and money and tips on growth and and I just, I love that. How did that become part of what you do? Because I think, like you said earlier, there is a real tendency in this world to be in scarcity mentality, to not want to, you know, people always say like, don't give up your secrets. And it's like, well, that feels like, feels like hoarding. I don't think that's good. So how did you decide to kind of give away what you know? Yeah, I think I, I believe that what's for you is for you. And I can't take that from you. So like, if this, you know, opportunity is for me, it's for me. If that opportunity is for you, it's for you. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in like, you know, being jealous of what someone else has because it's, if it's meant for you, it will happen. Like end of story. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think for me, just as I've like grown my platform, as I've talked to, uh, especially other women in my, in my niche and we're, we, we, always share how much money we make because I think when you're transparent about that like it just it helps to motivate other people like I want you to make as much as I'm making and I want every I want everyone to thrive because it's not helping me if you're kind of left behind I want everyone to come together and thrive as a whole and I think especially in the sustainable space or the space of just like doing good talking about money is just bad like money is this bad thing and it's like no money is good like if I work hard, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to buy a nice purse or whatever the case may be. Like it's okay to make money and to do good in the world. Like you don't have to choose yeah. one or the other. And I think also I talk about money a lot on my platform is because I want to build generational wealth. Like I didn't come from money. There, There's nothing for me to fall mm -hmm. back on and I want to leave a legacy and I want to build generational wealth. So there's a lot of that as well. Mm -hmm. And I just want to also just encourage other women to ask for what they want. Like so many women mm -hmm. are scared to ask to get paid uh, well or to ask to uh, get certain opportunities they want. And I'm like, 
girl, you got to ask. Like, there, it's so funny because I've been having so many different calls with content creators uh, who are in a similar space. And there are people that are, you know, four times my size and I make more money than them because I'm willing to ask for what I want. So I'm just like all about encouraging people to know their value, know their worth, and to ask for what it is that they want because they are worthy. They they are, you know, valuable and they need to uh, constantly remind themselves of that. But I'm just all about uplifting and encouraging others because I want everyone to thrive. Because again, like when you as an individual are thriving, that's how you can also help the world around you as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. When you think about that, what you want to build, what your goals are. Do you plan on having a beauty store or a line of your own one day? Do you want to write a book? What what is what is next for you? Great question. So I think the the next from now till about let's say three, five years, I want to come out with two books. I want one book to be a like a black girl's guide to sustainable living, which I think would be a really fun, cool book. Mm-hmm. And I would also love to come out with a book on habits and just like uh, like self-worth and value. Because I think so much of what mm-hmm. I do is, yes, I'm a sustainability content creator. But the reason why I'm able to succeed is because I've had good habits since day one. You know, I'm a fifth grader saying I do everything in the spirit of excellence, <laughs> you know. So yeah. when you have that mentality at such a young age you understand the importance of habits and creating good habits. And I'm just obsessed with just like, you know, business books and learning how to be better. And I think that's where the disconnect is sometimes for creators. It's like, they're so focused on creating, but it's like, you have, you have to also understand the business aspect of it as well and understand the inner work that you have to do as well to succeed. So I just want to, you know, do a book that kind of combines all that. And then I would say the last thing that's on Mm -hmm. my mind is I would love to do a sustainable travel show. I want to go all around the world and learn how, you know, people like indigenous people have been living sustainable since day one. I think a lot of times there are shows where they go to Iceland and they're learning about, you know, energy, which is cool. It's great. But like, what about the people that have been sustainable since day one? Where are their stories? So I want to help share stories of, you know, people that you and I may not know about, but should, we should know about, Mm -hmm. and we should know about their practices because zero waste is, and low, low waste living sustainability did not just become a thing, right? There are cultures that have been yeah. doing this forever. So I just want to share those stories of people that have been doing it since day one and uh, also have a little bit of fun and adventure. And I think it's also uh, would be great to see a black woman hosting a travel show because there's like one <laughs> that I can think of right now who's on the travel channel. But other than that, there's not a lot of diversity in the travel space. So that's definitely something I want to dive into. I love it. I love it all. And I I have no doubt that it's all going to happen for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm going to ask you my last and favorite question. Um, as you know, the show is called Work in Progress. And I'm always curious when guests come on, what feels like a work in progress in your life right now? Ooh, asking the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly... If I'm being completely transparent, like I think business-wise, I'm good, you know, like I'm super confident in that. But I think when it comes to uh, just like romantic relationships, that's something I'm working on just being more confident in. I think um, for me, I want to be as confident as I am in business as I am in like a romantic relationship. So I think I'm just like working on kind of doing the inner work on like 
you know, you are valued, you know your Mm self-worth and like you should act like that. Because I think, especially as women, the more successful you get, the harder it is to find someone. (laughs) Like, because your standards just keep getting higher. Like, you know, there's, for me, like finding a man who, you know, is, it can be accepting of maybe I make more than you, you know, there's just different levels of that. But I think it's just like doing the inner work on myself to continue to know that like, I am worthy, I don't need to settle and I can just be out here killing it and like the right person will find me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the answer you wanted to hear, but it's not the truth. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And I feel it and I get it. And, and yeah, I think you're right. I think if you can really be rooted in your own, worth, that's what will match you. It will be less frequent than, you know, the unworthy ones who come along a lot in early life, but it'll be better when it hits. No, exactly. I think (laughs) for me too, because I think people see what I've built and like see my life and they think it's perfect, but I think it's important to share that like, I'm a human too, that still struggles with other things. Like, yes, just because I'm succeeding in one area of my life does not mean I'm succeeding in the other. You just don't see the other area. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, the the struggle remains. Even with success, struggles simply change. You know, it's not like you succeed at something and then everything's perfect. It doesn't work like that. There's a whole other set of problems you never saw coming. It's like you get, you get a step up the ladder and you're like, I did it. And then you're like, shit. This is what I have to deal with now? Okay. Oh, well, okay. And, you, and you know, you just have to figure it out. So I, I feel you on all of those things. Exactly. It's, a, it's, a, it's a work in progress, you know? Like, we're always just... It is. I think that's the thing, too, is, like, I'm always working towards just being the best I can be. Like, it's not about what someone yeah. over here is doing. It's about what can I do to be the best me. Mm. I love that. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show today. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.